Hello and welcome to the Dinosaur Man podcast. I'm Andy Hughes. I'm here with Alex Hudson. Uh, I actually think we should change the name for this one. Yeah. Dinosaur Man Newscast. Well, I was going to say news and reviews, which is normal, but or news and no reviews. Because, mm. guys, this week, we got a lot... Like We've been busy the last couple mm-hmm. of weeks with our Christmas fun. Yes. Means we missed a lot of news. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been storing in the filing cabinet, but fortunately, it's coming to the end of the year. It's due a clear out. Let's clear out that filing cabinet yep. of news. Mainly because there's a couple of really big news bits. We don't want to carry any news over into the new year. I just hit myself in the face with a microphone. It was bad. Um, I I feel like I I had three weeks to prepare for this. And I feel like I am so unprepared that I hit myself in the face with a microphone. What, you're hoping bloody your nose and therefore you won't have to record? Well, let me, let me put it this way. That wasn't part of the plan for this episode. And yet... It still happens. So you take yourself out of the microphone and I just carry on just talking to you. After three weeks of no news and reviews, I should be doing better than that. (laughs) Realistically speaking. Or a better escape plan, really. This is what is known in Simpsons terminology as a Lisa episode. (laughs) And in... (laughs) Yeah? In Dinosaur Man parlance as absolute... Just skip to the end. (laughs) Everyone loves the news. We do well, so, much so news. this is the thing: is that it, obviously it's a very difficult time of year because of well, particularly for the majority of our audience are UK awful. based, and obviously Christmas has now been cancelled by Oliver Cromwell. Um, <laughs> Yay! So I, I kind of feel like it's one of those things where this would have been perfect for those long drives to see your family. Unfortunately. <laughs> Local drives only, guys. You can only listen to the first 10 minutes nonsense. I did say there was going to be zero nonsense this episode. This is not nonsense. This is real. This is all, you know, um, preamble. Yeah. And then, hang on. So, preamble. Yeah. Before we get to the... Would you say the the majority of the episode is just amble, and then there's post-amble? Yeah. (laughs) Where would you... On a standard news and reviews, Mm -hmm. where do you think preamble ends? Never. You think it's all like, preamble? There's, there's always so some... we never get to the ambling. Well, I feel like ambling, like, is... or do you think there's just preambling aside the ambling? Yeah, I feel like, like you... ambling is has some kind of level of you know professionalism. Uh-huh. I don't think we've ever hit that. So is it like okay? So you know, in the London Marathon, okay, yeah, I'm picturing it. They oh, why am I in this chicken costume? That's the, just going to make me even hotter than I already am. The pros set off first. Oh, the sweat's pooling in my shoes. Do you... Do you feel... They should... Squelching okay. for 24 miles. Imagine a shoe that has drainage. It would look like... um, Ah, uh, what film is it where he has oil slick shoes? Goonies. Okay. <laughs> where he has shoes and he kind of taps them and they oil slick from the back. Oh, yeah. Um, it would look like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, would they work? Well, they wouldn't give oil. Unless people have slipped on the amount of sweat that's coming from my bird costume. It depends how oily your sweat is. Have you been marinated <laughs> in olive oil first? Well, if ever I have a hurt tough workout, if I fall over, I just slide for an hour. Um, what I was saying what was, was saying? it's Look like the marathon, where they let the professional runners all set off first. Mm-hmm. So that's where I go. Yeah, so interestingly, with this podcast, when you said it's all preamble, mm-hmm. 
Would you say that the preamble is the amateur runners of a marathon <laughs> and the amble is the Mo Farahs of the world? Yeah. The Paula Radcliffe's, if you will. Yeah. I mean, and I have taken a shit while doing the podcast, so that <laughs> that does work. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Do you think you could do the marathon? What's the post-amble of the podcast? Just saying goodbye. Okay. Yeah, trying to get people uh, to No, I couldn't do a marathon. I could, but I think they're called Snickers nowadays. That was an absolute Christmas cracker of a joke. I think yes. once a year my dad makes a similar joke. Oh, really? Every year. Yeah. Uh, at some point, he will, somebody, he will force mm. an introduction into that joke. Yeah. Um, Which is weird, because your dad doesn't even like caramel. He's he's anti he's anti nuts in bars. Yeah, he he couldn't even eat a marathon. Mm. They've rebranded to marathon again. But the Snickers again still. Oh, are they now? I'm pretty sure. Okay, I thought they'd rebranded recently. Maybe because they wanted to give him more option to. A Snickers is okay. So here's the thing: is a Snickers is fine, but it is a lot. Although the other day I had a craving for Snickers, and I still haven't, you know. Satiated that craving, haven't you? No. Okay, guys. Uh, they're if too you much. Have a Snickers. Can you deliver it to my house at Dinosaur Man HQ? But I, I'm, I'm going to say that a a filled chocolate bar mm. is too much, regardless. Well, and Mars of, bar. Yeah, Mars bars too much. Mars bars are good. No, Mars bars are too much. Again, it's it's about the density. Although, There's too much going on in it. Interesting about Mars bars. So know how we get upset that. There's so much when, news this when week. we were younger, guys. Chocolate bars used to be bigger. Yes. And as you get older, chocolate bars have shrunk in size because, you know, they want to save the money. And it's not And because, also your hands have got bigger. Yeah, it's not because our hands have got bigger. They have legitimately got smaller. Mm-hmm. Mars bars are the only chocolate bar to have benefited from that because their original size, they probably were too much. But at their new kind of three-quarter size is a perfect, perfect caramel and nougaty taste. This may be the hottest take that's ever been delivered on a podcast. Take that, take that, Mr. Mars. Take that, cereal. <laughs> we think he was innocent of eating Mars bars. <laughs> Imagine that, that little snippet there is mm. what makes this podcast take off. Do you ever listen like, to cereal? Um, yeah, only um, Did you? Rice Krispies though. Good. Yeah, they snack- they're the only ones you can hear. Snap, crackle and pop. I said snack. <laughs> They can snack, crackle, and cock. Wee. Um, you can... Uh, yeah, but imagine that taste. Okay, popping what- candy as a cereal. Does that work? <laughs> I suppose that is Rice Krispies. Only one way to find out. Do they pop when you're in your mouth? No. What, they just like, little explosions in your mouth? Yeah. Do they pop in your mouth? They crackle. In your they mouth? Yeah. That's going to be an enjoyable noise. Rice Krispies, yeah. I'm talking about, yeah. Okay. Uh, Ricicles had the same thing, but no one said Snap, Crackle, and Pop about well, those. That's because they had Rick Ricicle. Yeah. Famous character. Okay. Should we get on with stuff? Guys, do you want to hear some news? Um, obviously. So today we're going to talk for a lot of news. Yes. Um, and normally we would get them to reviews, but there are no reviews. There is news. Yes. But is there gaming news? Yeah, there is. Cyberpunk's out. Oh. Uh-huh. Spoiler alert. Cyberpunk 2077. A lot of people aren't happy. <laughs> oh, not? yeah, sorry. Uh, this is the the, se- okay, so this is the sequel the to game. Cyberpunk 2076, which was the... Uh, it's, so this is the 2070 
eighth installment of the <laughs> Cyberpunk series, um, in which you follow Cyberpunk himself. Yeah. Uh, I believe his name is CM Punk. <laughs> yeah. The wrestler. Okay. Uh, the C stood for cyber, M stood for Man. malfunctioning game, and punk obviously ooh, ooh, stood ooh. for the genre of music he Shots loved. fired. So why are people upset about Cyberpunk 2077? So it it's broken! So it's supposed to be this great big open world kind of... Yes. You could do anything sort of world. It's supposed to be a bit like Grand Theft Auto, but also a bit like everything else. <laughs> and it's got loot boxes in it, maybe. I don't know. And I'm it's got microtransactions it. in it, definitely. It's got Keanu Reeves in it. Well, I'll tell you what also it's got in it. Bad frame rates, glitchiness, and also a couple of instalments that don't even work oh. properly at all. So, Oh, sorry. I just heard the cries of CD Projekt Red from here. So, reviewers were sent the PC version mm-hmm. of this to review, um, which is relatively bug-free, but not perfect, apparently. Um yeah. And the reviews came out, and it all seemed great. Everyone was saying, this is a great game. This is, you know, worth the eight-year wait or whatever since Cyberpunk 2076. Now, what they didn't realize was that if you play this game on the current generation of home consoles, Mm -hmm. so Xbox One and PlayStation 4, they don't work. Well, there are glitches and bugs that become apparent through that. They are less noticeable when you're playing the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One copies on future generation consoles, which are PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X or S. But they are getting their own versions next year. No date. No date given. But at this point, they're taking away the other ones anyway. So maybe no one gets to play them. Um, so widespread issues have been reported and videoed and put online to shame CD Projekt Red into some kind of action, which they do not apologize for, uh, mainly because this probably is the result of my favorite type of um, chocolate they, bar. They have a crunch. <laughs> They have apologised for the state of the game. Um, they should have apologised for the crunch that they made people do first, true. which is the res- which this is the resulting issue of. Surely, mm. if people have to work to meet a de- and look, this is completely separate to film. But if you look at film mm. and you think right, so when something isn't ready, what do they do? They delay the movie. Yeah, they could delay the release of. I appreciate they had to do it because their shareholders wanted them to release it sooner rather than later because it had already been delayed significantly. But this is what happened. Is it worth the bad publicity and also the the fact that no one believes that your company is capable of running itself properly? Well, look at, like, so obviously, like, people, there's a couple of things here. People have turned around and said, oh, Witcher 3 by the same company, came out Boogie Mess, and that turned out to be Game of the Year. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, this could follow the same track, but surely you still have to go, okay, at some point you have to go, this game isn't working, we need time. And they knew it wasn't working. The second point is that the damage that can be done at the start of your game can be detrimental to its future. Look at No Man's Sky. Mm-hmm. No Man's Sky came out, and it had none of what it promised, and was publicly derided. Now, anyone who carried on playing that game, and it now is the game that was promised, like it mm-hmm. has all these features, absolutely love it. But there's so many people that use No Man's Sky as an example, like now, of 
things that didn't work. Um, I played No Man's Sky. Didn't like it. But, you know, for some people, if that's the kind of game you want, then people love it. Mm. Um, but the damage that was done in the start of that game yes. cannot fix it to be the kind of thing that it could have been. Mm-hmm. Um, the third point is, if this game does not work on the current gen consoles or past gen, as they probably are now, like the Xbox One and the PS4, don't release it on there. Mm. Just turn around and go, we're releasing this as only a PC game right now. Mm-hmm. The other version will come in the future because people do it. Like they do it where they release it on one thing and then they go, okay, and later we'll implement it somewhere mm. else. So the issue for me lies in the fact that they have willfully manipulated their audience because they have sent <laughs> review copies, yeah. PC only review copies. But this isn't, this isn't the first time this has been done. Yeah, I know, but it's. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be less of an issue that this is not the no, first time. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not because it's them. not unprecedented. Doesn't mean oh, this is fine now. It means if this is the norm, mm-hmm. then your industry is broken. Oh, absolutely. Remember that. And this is aside from the sexual harassment at Ubisoft. This is aside <laughs> from the um, microtransactions issues. This is aside from the you know loot boxes or lottery boxes mm-hmm. or whatever they call them. It's aside from all the fact that these evil companies, mm. evil, <laughs> yeah. and I'll say evil, why can't they just play a nice game like Minute? <laughs> Minute was fun. Minute looked like fun. I had a great time playing Minute. Minute's my game of the year, despite not coming out this year. Can't. Can't be. You've got... In fact, this is the... This is the time... This, you're not doing it on the review of the 2020, by the way. <laughs> okay, this has to be my... Video game of the year now. Well, it has the to be. only one you've played that has been the made only, this year. The only one that came out in 2020 is yes. that I played this year is Carrion. So Carrion is game of the year. Okay. Um, it's also weirdly worst game of the year. <laughs> like I think Minute may be like one of my favorite games this year, just because it was fun. But this is the thing: is that if more games were like that, I'd have less of an issue because they don't seem like there's much evil involved in those. There's probably horrible levels knows, of crunch, and who knows probably, what happened behind? Oh, them. and probably the creator's an evil man or something. <laughs> but it's when it's these sort of, you know, I mean, monolithic. We were saying yesterday, how many fucking adverts of for Cyberpunk twenty seventy seventy we going to see? Mm-hmm. We we're watching a video, uh, a video game. We were watching a video game, yes. and we saw we were watching a football game, and there were maybe i think there's one every advert break i think at least if <laughs> it feels like there's more than one every <laughs> advert break um but the the issue is when you've got this constant stream of like this is game of the year this is game of the year and you've sent these copies out and everyone's given you a nine out of ten review or whatever and then you go oh and also for two-thirds of the buying audience yeah it's not that game well, i think that you are lying be. to your audience <laughs> there has to be um, retroactive reviews I feel because of the fact that and I know it's bad to say this because I but once again filming games are different so because for example Crash Team Racing came out and they gave everyone the review copies mm-hmm. and then after the reviews were out they implemented the microtransactions mm. into the game which was basically you change the game after it's been out now film you don't do that film you get what you see and then yeah later on you might get like a director's cut or something but you get the a film. Snyder cut if you will but you get the film as it is and yes. that can be reviewed in that moment but games I feel that has to be like this retroactive review and also the fact that you've got people playing these like what 80 90 hour games mm. and you've got to review it in the first few days how do you get yeah a real feel for what that game is um yeah the gaming industry is is on fire yeah and look 
there's I don't know. There's not enough time in the world for this because this is a different podcast. Yeah, maybe I'll start a new podcast next year. Okay, so I might throw it in the dinosaur man. Feed. We've joked about this before, but obviously, the only gaming opinion I care about, other than yours, because you're my only gamer, mm-hmm. is Jimmy, famous Jimmy. So you say if I can get Jim Sterling on a podcast, yeah. you will talk about. Well, it. I think I think he talks about video game, the video game industry, in a way that is intelligent and also accessible. I think he's able to communicate what the problems are. And the thing is, are there fixes to this? Yes, but what are they? Who knows? Yes, but you Because the deep-rooted issues are so deep-rooted that to offer a solution is going to be shot down by someone because it's not seen to be doing enough to counteract these issues. Or it's shot down by someone because it's too draconian or it's too, you know, it feels like it's... Or it doesn't make enough money. Yeah. And the, the problem is, is that the whole industry is suffering from this. Mm-hmm. And these these sort of indie games that you've been playing recently, is Carrion an indie game? Yeah. Yeah. So things like Carrion or things like Minute or things like, uh, what's the one you're playing? Celeste. Celeste, that seems like a quite a small yeah. game. Are those the video game experiences that are the ones that you can enjoy relatively guilt-free? Well, one of the best games apparently this year is Hades, which was made with a fairly small team. I've seen um, that advert for this on the Switch, maybe. Classed, is an, is, I think it's technically an indie game. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, oh, maybe we should just keep supporting games like that. Although, yeah. at the same time, the big games are the kind of ones that you know create the buzz. Yeah, the video game, game industry is broken. That's, yeah. the, that's the main part of it. Um and there's a lot of bad shit there, and cyberpunk is just another kind of what's the word um, symptom, yeah, of the the disease that is video games. Because you know the only reason that's out now is because somebody needed the bottom line to look good. Yeah, that's exactly. the, that's the only reason. Uh, so obviously, all this being said, uh, ten stars out of ten. Um, haven't played it, but I presume it's amazing because everyone says it is. Mm. And those reviews wouldn't lie to me, would they? They wouldn't be on a version <laughs> yeah, that I'm not I necessarily buying. The reviews are all that good. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just I mean, like, they're all nine all out of this, ten. I actually don't think the reviews. I think the mm-hmm. Metacritic isn't good because there was a thing about. Let's find out. Um, the bonuses for the team that made it were mm-hmm. based on their Metacritic score. Oh, um, really? Yes. So they had to get like ninety percent on Metacritic or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that was changed afterwards, and I think it's because people went, you cannot crunch your staff and then expect them to be relied upon. 87. Okay, that is probably too good for what it is. Uh, Based on 71 critic reviews, user score 7.1, which is based on 22,300 reviews. 20,077 reviews. Oh my god. Um... (laughs) Shall we move on, though, because we have got probably other stuff to talk about. This I, don't part- we, I don't know if we were supposed to talk that long about that. But no, I actually forgot about news. video game news until we were about to start. It's all news all the time, guys. Okay, so let's move on. So there's two really big stories, then we might have time for other stuff, but actually it's not really important. Okay. Tell you what, I'll bust out a few quick ones first yep. of all. Let's do that instead. So let's go from the back end. Okay, guys, this is the speed run round. Okay, I just want a couple of sentences from you. I am Sonic, I am speed. Millie... <laughs> you are Sonic, winner of best fucking animated feature or whatever. Um, Millie Bobby Brown is attached to star in the science fiction movie The Electric State for Universal Pictures with Anthony and Joe Russo directing and producing 
based on the illustrated novel of the same name that is called a comic strip. Uh, it's actually an illustrated novel. Though. Um, it's set in an alternative future, centers on a teenage girl, Brown, who realizes that a strange but sweet robot who comes to her has actually been sent by her missing brother. What do you reckon? Cool. It's like short, gonna see cir- it? short circuit meets Terminator. It says here, the Russo brothers said in a statement, it's short circuit v- versus Terminator, they said. <laughs> Weird. Um, Who wins that race? That it says race? here, we made this with one man in mind, Andy Hughes. We always make all of our films with him in mind. We hope that this is no different. Perfect. I'm okay. In. You're in? Yeah, okay. sure. It's probably on Netflix because we all know Millie Bobby Brown. No, it's, this Netflix. is Universal. Yeah, but we you know Millie Bobby Brown's going to get on Netflix. Well, it depends. They might have to sell it on if she no cinema's it. open. Hey, Marv are planning oh, cool. seven Kingsman films, Do according not to the new CEO. <laughs> uh, so Marv Group CEO Zyga Kamasa has said that filmmaker Matthew Vaughan is plotting something like seven more Kingsman films. Now, something, something like, like seven be might one. be could one. Be 12. Might be 25. <laughs> something like seven. Imagine. Something like seven means a number. Like, when I say, like, oh, I'm going to have something like seven Pringles from the mm-hmm. tin, I'm eating the tin. Yeah. Um, and I'll be honest with you, I'm eating your tin and all. <laughs> you pass that. They're actually called sleeves, I believe. Oh, oh, can, I, can I just have a Pringle? How many do you want? Something like seven, a handful later. Yeah. And then an entire tube later, you're lying on the sofa and you've got all these empty Pringles tubes around and you're like, I did have seven individual Tubes. sleeves of them. <laughs> uh, so we want the biz- we want to grow the business and the output. Kamas has set, uh, told the Winston Baker UK Finance Summit last week. We have a Kingsman TV series in the works, and there are two, two, th- there are two, three other franchises. Two, three is twenty three, mate. <laughs> that are being developed alongside the Kingsman world. Yeah, don't uh, so. Through two movies, the Kingsman franchise has grossed $825 million. Is it any wonder that Marv, who have this and now maybe nothing else, because I don't know <laughs> if they're making another kick-ass anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, so the the latest film, The King's Man, is due to hit cinemas in February, although I think that release date actually has changed. Probably, they all do. Mm. Never give release dates. Um, I'm sure it was, but that's fine. Uh, so, what do you reckon to that? You don't want that? No, I didn't like Kingsman 2. Um, which is a shame, because I really like Kingsman 1. Maybe I'll give Kingsman 2 another go. Maybe I won't. Probably okay. not. I've got a lot on, guys. It was your most disappointing of a couple of years ago. Yeah, so. and I think like I don't really want to go back. Mm. It's been pushed back a month, uh, the release. So, there we go. Uh, it is now being released. Let's get the actual date oh, here, no. just in case anyone is interested. Oh, no. King's Man will move back to the 12th of March, 2021. The silence is deafening. Uh, what did you say? Marv. <laughs> oh, okay. I actually just thought you were saying March. No, there was a V in there. Uh, Free Guy is now moved back to May 21st, 2021 as well. And Death on the Nile is now September the 17th, 2021. And let's all expect those dates to change. Well, Death on the Nile was one of the last holdover. Like that was one of the few films that was holding on to its. I think it was November, end of November, yeah. wasn't it? And it didn't get announced that it was getting pushed back for ages and ages. And then, like a week before it was supposed to come out, they went, "Oh, well, because nowhere's actually open. We've got to. <laughs> we can't really open this." Um, okay, speed run. Okay, 
Keep that keep that news gun firing. Chris Pine is in talks to star in Dungeons and Dragons for E1 and Paramount. What do you reckon? Um, really like Chris Pine. Yeah, be really interested to see what they do with this, but I really don't think a Dungeons and Dragons film can work uh, because I think the the beauty of Dungeons and Dragons is having yourself invested in a story that you create and mold yourself mm-hmm. um, that is all based upon your decisions and what you do. Yeah. Having a Dungeons and Dragons movie just becomes generic fantasy action. Yes. Um, and while, yes, there are stories within that that could be portrayed like, you know, there are stories that are are there like, you know, the Curse of Strahd or, um, you know, Waterdeep um, and that kind of place. And those places are living, breathing things that you can build. Mm-hmm. At the same time, the reason those games, the, the things I remember when I play are not, oh, the story did this for me, but more, oh, I did this and the world reacted to me in this way. Sure. So I think, yes, great. Mm-hmm. I like Chris Pine and I, you know, I enjoy Dungeons and Dragons. But do I think a film can work? I think it misses the magic of what the game is. Uh, directed by Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis Daly, who directed Game Night and were two of the co-writers or did a treatment of the first Spider-Man movie, Homecoming. Mm-hmm. Um, next one. Oscar Isaacs is set to star in a Solid Snake... Uh, as Solid Snake, sorry, in the Metal Gear Solid adaptation. So this is interesting because this was... So this was rumoured... Mm. Like some, I think somebody said, oh... I would like to see Oscar Isaac as Solid Snake. Mm. The director, Justin, what, Jordan Vote Roberts? Yes. Was like, oh, I would love to see that. And then went and tweeted at Boss Logic, who's a poster creator, and went, mock this up for me. Mm. He created this picture, and he was like, that's badass. And then it just so happens that he's been cast down the line. It's almost as though he's just gone, that would be great. Let's see if he's interested. Oh, he is, and he would look great. Mm. Um, Metal Gear Solid is really interesting because I've only really know like the first game properly yeah because i watched my brother play it so many times um but i know that that series goes goes places and is really weird yeah so it depends how kojima they're willing to be with it because you know as a game developer he is crazy like he he creates these amazing ideas and he has really cinematic ideas how much of that are you willing to put in this and maybe alienate some people or are you willing to alienate some Metal Gear Solid fans by not being weird? I 100% guarantee they're going to alienate the Metal Gear Solid fans to make a generic action movie mm-hmm. that they can then try and turn into a franchise. Yeah. That that just feels like that's the way it's going. But it's Jordan Vote roberts and I think he's a good director. Mm-hmm. He obviously did Kong Skull Island, which we really liked. Uh, did Kings of Summer, I think as well was his. Uh, yeah, you know, he's a good director and that's exciting stuff and i probably. really like oscar isaac so mm. well it's interesting isn't it that um oscar isaac is now having to go back to get a new franchise movie potentially to go alongside all the stuff that isn't going to necessarily <laughs> make him huge amounts yeah. of money which was all the stuff that he was doing before he was cast in the star wars movies as well so he's sort of going back to his roots and then having to top it up with but a studio but cheddar. I think a lot of actors do that, where they oh, go, yeah, okay, absolutely. I'm going to get the money makers and then do some stuff for me as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, that'll be it for the for the quick fire round. <laughs> it wasn't that quick, was it? <laughs> we'll see. Quick, quicker than it could have been. Okay, so uh, let's talk about the big news of the last month. It's been a while. <laughs> um, so earlier on in December, uh, yeah, start of the month, uh HBO Max and Warner Brothers announced that the entire slate of Warner Brothers movies 
for 2021 were going to be simultaneously available on HBO Max as well as in cinemas. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this includes all of the following. I won't do all of them, don't worry. But some sort of big ones are Mortal Kombat is a big one. I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Tom and Jerry, Godzilla vs. Kong, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, In the Heights, Suicide Squad. I swore that was the year after. (laughs) I still cannot believe that's next year. Dune, Elvis, untitled still, uh, King Richard, Matrix 4, Judas and the Black Messiah. Like, there is a lot of stuff here. Huge films in there as Mm -hmm. well. Like, think about things like Dune and the Matrix, like, in terms of scale. Mm -hmm. Huge. Um, So, this is, let's see. We'll go with the uh, Warner Brothers statement first of all. Yep. And then we'll we'll go through all the other stuff. So, uh, Warner Media Chair and CEO Anne Sarnoff referred to the model as a unique one-year plan. Executives of the company have stressed that the initiative isn't expected to continue into 2022 or beyond. It's considered a temporary solution in response to the global uh, ongoing health crisis. We're living in unprecedented times which call for creative solutions, including this new initiative for the Warner Brothers Pictures Group. No one wants films back on the big screen more than we do. We know that new content is the lifeblood of theatrical exhibition, but we have to balance this with the reality that most theatres in the US will likely operate at reduced capacity throughout 2021. And I think we can probably say 2022 and Mm. 2023 as well. That will probably still be the case. This is the thing is that normal is just never going to be recaptured in the same way, Mm. I don't think. But we'll see. Uh, so that is part of their initial statement. There's obviously a lot of other stuff that's come out about this, but from a so their plan at the moment is it will be they haven't given the full details, mm-hmm. but it will be available. So all of these films will be released theatrically and on HBO Max same day. Yeah, day and day. There is. Uh, that's the interesting thing is that there's no so for example with Wonder Woman Mm -hmm. the situation with Wonder Woman is it's out theatrically here now yeah it's out theatrically in China now it's out theatrically in the States on the 25th it's on HBO Max on the 25th Mm -hmm. and then will be on there for a month before then leaving HBO Max and being exclusive in cinemas for another month. Yeah. And then will be available for premium VOD, including in the UK. Uh, when's the UK one? I think it's the 13th of January where you get it on v- premium VOD. Mm-hmm. But that's for that individual thing. Deals for this in terms of how they're going to structure it, I would imagine will be worked out on a ba- on a film-by-film basis potentially. Yeah. But there's no actual specifications about what the length of time is. So Wonder Woman was negotiated separately to the rest of this deal because it was... Yes, Wonder Woman was done as its own thing. Yeah, they needed to do it. Mm -hmm. While the rest of them... So the the big sticking point seems to be the fact that... So that's Warner Brothers' statement. Mm -hmm. And the big sticking point from that seems to be that the communication from Warner Brothers to the creators and the... Uh, producers and all of this kind of thing of these films that are in here that we listed before were not informed of this decision before it happening. Mm-hmm. So nobody who is involved in these movies were informed that these movies are going to HBO Max and not 
going to be cinema only experiences um, to begin with. And I think that's where we start to hit the kind of opposition to this model. Yes. And there's been plenty of opposition from uh, some filmmakers. Some have come out in support of this decision. Some have come out against it. The The big issue, I think, is going to be with... Um, so there are going to be legal implications with Legendary, particularly because they've got interest in two of the films. Certainly two. I don't know if it's more, but I know Godzilla that... For, vs. Kong, Godzilla yeah. vs. Kong and Dune where Godzilla vs. Kong, they've stumped up 75% of the budget for that movie mm-hmm. because it's their franchise that Warner Brothers hold the distribution rights to, which is why they're able to do this because it falls under distribution. Yeah. So it's it's about the legality of the move in terms of how it affects future earnings, how it affects initial earnings, and how it potentially affects the market value of the film, or the market valuation they put on the film because they will have to so it moving their entire slate will either be done as one financial transaction or will be done as 17 individual transactions mm-hmm. where they Sadly assign a monetary value to each film and then they say right okay so that 18 million or whatever it is for you know i don't know Godzilla versus Kong. Well, if it's eighteen million, that yeah. is seriously well, maybe box office returns of King of the Monsters. Maybe who knows? But so just it's to... either going to be that way round, or they're going to have to do it as one bulk thing and say, right, for these seventeen films, HBO Max, the company, which is still part of the same umbrella company, but is a different one, so the finances are independent, are paying Warner Brothers Pictures x amount of money mm-hmm. you know five billion or whatever for all of them so for those who aren't aware the clarify the one of the problems with legendary in particular and the reason they're picked out is something that we talked about on the last news and reviews which is mm. godzilla versus kong was offered to streaming platforms and netflix came and offered reportedly about about 220 million for it mm-hmm. Uh, 217 was the step was the figure that was released and the issue is so they were then told they can't sell this because warner brothers were taking this to hbo max mm-hmm. now if hbo max buy that for say 50 million mm-hmm. that means the market share that they could have got they're missing out 150 million of what they could have made as mm-hmm. a company now the issue seems to be is that warner brothers are not offering these films out to find out what their market value are and then paying the market value they are now just paying, and this is the problem, we don't really know exactly what they are spending on these films. So Legendary, for example, can raise a legal thing saying, we were offered X amount, mm-hmm. you have not paid us this amount. Then the the thing that Warner Brothers will still have in their back pocket is that that was $217 million or $220 million for the global distribution of that film. Mm-hmm. This is exclusive to one market rather than an international market. Yeah. Now, what we've seen since COVID hit and since the sort of recovery from COVID has started, particularly within China and within Japan, there have been huge box office successes that have come during this period of things going back into cinemas there. They clearly see... The Chinese box office we've talked about before is hugely important, Mm -hmm. even to the point where it's drawing level with the importance of the US box office. If you get a hit in China it can really benefit you. Yeah. 
So they're looking at this as being, well, we don't have HBO Max in China. We have absolutely no way of getting it out there on a streamer at the moment. So their best their best bet is to go, okay, well, we'll keep theatrical distribution as it was planned to be in China. Mm-hmm. We'll keep it that way in Japan. We'll keep it that way in Europe for the time being. And then we'll also introduce this possible idea of the premium VOD. With Wonder Woman, this premium VOD here, certainly, that's a new development. Yeah. That wasn't planned initially. It was going to be cinemas only. But I think the tier systems that they've inst- instated here have meant they've had to just do a slight repositioning of that and go, okay, we've got to be changeable as well. Mm-hmm. Which is completely understandable because you think about... So with these tiers that have come in, so tier four has just been introduced recently and I think the majority of the countries under tier three regulations yeah. now. I can't think of the closest cinema to us that would be open. Liverpool. <laughs> Yeah, I Which think is still a good like Liverpool and then Cornwall maybe because <laughs> Cornwall's down in tier one still. I yeah. think so. I think it's it's one of these situations where on certainly on Wonder Woman as an individual film, that's a changeable thing that I think mm-hmm. everyone involved in that is now relatively happy with the way that's being dealt with because they know that it kind of had to come out to gain any kind of momentum in. Just yeah. shoring up whatever they have for the year. Because the problem is, you can delay it, but then we've talked about it before. When do you delay it till? Because mm-hmm, next year is so full. You know, Warner Brothers has got 17 movies next year. Mm-hmm. That's just Warner Brothers. Disney, Sony, it has to be Universal, like Paramount. It's just like, it's one of these things where you look at the next year and you think, nothing's actually been set proper dates yet necessarily. And there's so much stuff that's, TBA, and you're just going. I, I don't know when. And I like. I fully understand why Warner Brothers have done this. I think the interesting thing is, I do think it is fairly self-serving at the same time. Mm. Like for a company to be like, oh, we want to get our movies out there on these platforms, then you open it to the, you offer it to an open market, mm-hmm. um, and you try and get them on the best platform you can, and um, to make the most money you can as a studio. Christopher Nolan said something, which I think sums up kind of how I feel slightly, which is he says we went to bed working for one of the greatest movie companies and we woke up now working for one of the worst streaming platforms because HBO Max isn't performing well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand, you know, what you're saying is this is one market, but at the same time, should you not be opening that market up to allow you to get the best price you can for these films? If you are that concerned about getting your movies out there, because you could still sell it with the caveat of this will come out theatrically at the same time, mm. but it would also be on your platform. Like that caveat can be on there, you mm. can say. But uh, what I would say to that is Netflix would never agree to that unless they held the distribution theatrically mm-hmm. as well, because that's just the way they want to work now. When they bought up um, the courtroom, uh, Tales. Chicago 7. Tales of the Chicago 7. When they bought up. Um, Chicago uh, Trial of Chicago 7 they bought that from Paramount not just for streaming release Paramount could have mm-hmm. still released that theatrically in whatever capacity they wanted to but they sold the entire rights to it because they didn't feel like they could they could do that deal other than that and yeah. and Netflix to their credit gave it a theatrical release and then put it onto the platform 
And I think there are certain streamers that might do that, mm-hmm. but the ones that would release would let them keep theatrical rights are the smaller streamers that wouldn't have the money that have less of a reach than HBO Max even. Yeah. And I think so. I think it's a it's look. It's a really complex issue in that it's definitely the future of where this is going. And the one thing I don't necessarily agree with is that this will kill the cinematic experience. I don't think that is the case at all. Do you think it will harm it? I think it may harm certain multiplexes, and certainly, you know, AMC have come out quite strongly against this. But AMC are were in financial difficulties even before the COVID crisis mm-hmm. hit. So if we're looking at this from a perspective of, will this damage the cinematic experience? It depends. Will I... St- right. So when when we come out of Tier 3, when things are back to whatever normal is going to be, yeah. will I still go and see movies at the cinema? Absolutely. I've been back in that break between, in between lockdowns and really enjoyed that experience even for films that weren't great. The second movie I saw in the cinemas was New Mutants, which is fine at best, but I enjoyed the experience of actually going back and seeing it on the big screen. There are a huge proportion of people who will still enjoy doing that. Mm -hmm. And I think there will always be an appetite for theatrical distribution. What I think this is going to do in the long run because let's not forget that this is not the this is not the only streaming service that will end up this is not the only studio that will end up doing this. Yeah. We've seen it with Disney this year with Mulan with Hamilton. It we is saw. a case of we will we will take stuff that we think we have to put there because it's just not going to get that reach at the moment. Mm-hmm. And it's a short-termism plan from them and it's alleged to be a short-termism plan. It won't be. But Disney have already announced that Raya and the Last Dragon is also going to be a premium VOD on Disney Plus, or whatever they call it, uh, early, uh, no, premium access or something they call it. But that won't be the last of their stuff that goes there. No, of course not. You know, the sequel to Enchanted could have been released in the cinema, without doubt, Mm. because that is a film that has this cult following that made the first film a lot of money. Is it called Enchanted? Yes. Yeah. The Amy Adams one. The the sequel is called Disenchanted. That's going straight to Disney Plus now, they've decided. I don't think that was ever going to be the case until this year. You've got to pivot your market. Exactly. And I get that, and I do, and I I just hope that it's not that. Because obviously, I think we spoke, we were on um, Talk on Review speaking about this last week. Um, and in there, I mentioned, you know, some of the concerns of these filmmakers, which is mm-hmm. people saying, you know, not having it solely on the cinema screen ruins the effect that that film can have first mm-hmm. time because you've got people, you know, I designed film. I think Denny Villeneuve was like, I designed films for cinema screens. Yes. Um, and that's how it should be seen. And this means that people won't. The flip side to that is more people can watch it at home. Like mm-hmm. all those people who aren't going to the cinemas can now see your film. And does it get you a bit a beg to market that way? Mm. Um, there is a concern about digital piracy, um, but digital piracy is a problem. That well, this is the thing: is that piracy exists from leaked copies of you know, even if it's not a case of you know, it's got a home release, so therefore you can get a four K resolution version. Mm-hmm. We've seen leaked copies of major motion pictures that are not being released digitally 
for months afterwards leaked at the point that the thing comes out in the cinemas this is not a new problem this is not something that this is the only perpetrator of and it's never gonna stop and also one of the things about piracy is piracy is a um, result of a lack of access yeah and if you're if you're saying to if you're saying to your audience okay so for whatever it is 10.99 a month 12.99 a month you can have this service, and over the course of the next year, you're going to get 17 films. You know, you look mm-hmm. at some of those films, you go, realistically, how much of an audience is there for the, you know, Sopranos prequel? Yeah. Not necessarily a huge one. Certainly not a, you know, a... Mm, no, I was going to use June as an example, but I actually don't think that that's the best <laughs> example. Godzilla vs. Kong might be the best example? I don't know. That may be the biggest hit financially, mm-hmm. or maybe even the Conjuring one. Because the Conjuring movies make money. I think the issue comes from the fact that, okay, so the the two big voices that have come out against this are uh, Tenet, uh, uh, Christopher Nolan <laughs> and Denny Villeneuve. And the thing with Denny Villeneuve is, I, I love his films, and I think he's phenomenal as a filmmaker. I don't know how much money Dune is ever going to make <laughs> if you yeah. release it theatrically worldwide, but from a business point of view i can see that this is actually a fairly this is a decision that they can make and go okay well the people who still want to see that denny villeneuve film on the big screen will probably still go and see it on the big mm-hmm. screen i'll go and see june on the big screen because i want that experience i want the biggest sandworm i can bloody get there might be people who have no interest in june as a franchise mm-hmm. have never necessarily seen a denny villeneuve film and go oh zendaya's in this movie yeah, let's pop it. On let's TV. put it on HBO Max or whatever, and then they watch it. And then, yeah, I don't think there's a right or wrong side here. Mm-hmm. It's, it's I think very the way gray. it's been handled by Warner's media is suspect. Okay, I'm going to basically say by AT and T potentially, mm-hmm. the way that they've handled it is potentially quite suspect. However. As time goes on, and they have to, they're going to have to thrash out individual contracts in terms of, mm-hmm. and the unions have come back and said, okay, well, we're not happy with the remuneration that's been offered here, and we will not be accepting this. There will come a point where they may well get to, you know, if the first couple of things they manage to strike deals for then do well enough in terms of international markets. They might look at it and go, oh, okay, well, we can pay out more to you on this basis. Yeah. You know, the forecasting of the figures is going to be important. But it's going to be one of these tricky situations where once once it's happened, you're going to have to thrash out individual contracts with individual creatives on everything. But that's going to be the way that the, stu- that the industry moves to, mm-hmm. without doubt, because... We're going to see this is going to become much more of a a regular part of th- movie making. I think that was a pre situation, like a pre twenty twenty situation. Like everything moving in that direction with all these studios trying to give themselves a streaming platform. Yes. Um. So it was always moving in that way. Maybe this is literally just it's the, they're the first ones to do it. So therefore, they're the ones that people recognize have done it. Yeah, exactly. And you know, Disney have got Disney Plus. Warner Brothers have got HBO Max, kind of, but not, but you know what I mean. Which one is a Paramount Plus? Um, Peacock is uh, Universal's thing. Well, it's NBC's thing, but it's, mm-hmm. you know, all owned by Comcast. 
And you wouldn't be surprised if they start bringing in more and more film stuff to Peacock as a way of sort of... Yeah. Or potentially changing the name of Peacock to reflect the fact that it's going to have more movie stuff on there as well. I don't know. But you're going to see that, you know, Sony may well find something that works for them. And what, I mean, what they've said, uh, so uh, who was speaking? It was Patty Jenkins was speaking to Aaron Sorkin about this and saying there's going to be a studio that becomes the studio that does it the old school way. Mm-hmm. Now, that may well be the case. And, and she says, oh, well, the filmmakers will go there. The filmmakers will go there, I think, but the filmmakers will also potentially stay with the people who've made them a lot of money in the past. You know, I don't know that James Wan is going to leave Warner Brothers. Yeah, the filmmakers will go to the film make for the film studios that make their films. Mm-hmm. Like there are some that will hold out and be, I'm only making movies for this studio. Mm-hmm. But also, so in the Heights, I think um, yes. the reason why they're annoyed is because. They shopped that around to a lot of places and they went with Warner Brothers because they went, they're offering us the best opportunity to make this the best film we can. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, like, if another studio turned around and said to, you know, Limon Miranda, oh, say Sony and gone, oh no, we'll make that for you and we'll give you X, Y, Z. Yeah. They wouldn't be at Warner Brothers. They're not there because they are Warner Brothers men. They're there because they have offered the best deal yeah and i think it depends and you know christopher nolan will probably leave warner brothers as a result of this Mm -hmm. and that's that's a big issue to warner brothers in terms of the amount of money his films generate denny villeneuve is less of an issue because his films don't generate that much (laughs) income you know you look at blade runner and i love blade runner 2049 i think it's a phenomenal film i heard it's really buggy on current-gen consoles though (laughs) it was I saw the PC copy, to be fair. <laughs> but it wasn't a film that was seen as a huge commercial success. Yeah. Despite the critical acclaim and the awards and everything. And this is this is where it stands, is that Tenet is a film that has prompted this move. Mm-hmm. It, it certainly, I think, has expedited this move now. Because I think this move was always in the pipeline, but Tenet was the thing where they went, Ugh, okay, that's the result we're going to get that if we try. That much. Sure, things will be different next year. Slightly. It won't be back to normal. 2022, maybe. 2023, maybe. I don't know how far away we are from whatever the new normal is going to be. What I know for a fact is that there will not be the levels of audience members going to the cinema that there were before Mm -hmm. 2020 in 2021. That is a guarantee. And let's not forget that the numbers of people actually going to the cinema for the majority of movies, was dwindling pre-2020. It is a dying industry in terms of that. And that's why you see the big multiplex franchises, the ones with the bigger overheads, are the ones that are in financial trouble. Whereas I think, so for instance, in Nottingham, at the Broadway cinema, that, that cinema is usually really full whenever I go and see a thing. But that's because I get to see Aliens re-release there. Yeah. I get to go and watch The Lighthouse there. They're not showing that on seven screens at Cineworld. Why would they? Although I did see The Matrix at Cineworld, um, Mm -hmm. which was great. But but this is what I mean, is that things like that that will pull the audience in, of course, but where there's a limited audience, but still an audience that is enough to maybe sustain that business, they'll always be going Mm -hmm. back to the places they know they can get that experience if they care about the experience. Yeah. that's. I think that's where it stands. Anyway, we should it's, move it's, on from this because it's area. such a big thing. And 
we will probably come back to this at some point when mm-hmm. more is fun. We did say, guys, that there's a couple of news stories that all kind of dominate this episode, and that was definitely one. That of wasn't them. one of them. <laughs> that was, weirdly, that was still in the quickfire round. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's talk about. Uh, so, just on Warner Brothers, while we're talking about it, so Justice League Snyder Cut is apparently going to be rated R. Can't wait. And. There's also rumours that Jared Leto has done Homeless Joker for it. Brilliant. This is what we heard from our friend Dan <laughs> on uh, Talk and Review. Um, Find him on YouTube at Talk and Review. Yes. Uh, so it might get a, a rated, uh, an R-rated theatrical release complete with Batman saying the F word. I mean... <laughs> Bat- Batman just being like, look at my dick! <laughs> so this is... Yeah, so the filmmaker revealed that the new footage he's shooting for the director's cut of Justice League will tip the miniseries over into an R rating. Here's one piece of information nobody knows. The movie is insane and so epic, you can tell it's a Zack Snyder quote, uh, and it's probably rated R. That's one thing I think will happen, that it will be an R-rated version for sure. We haven't heard from the MPAA, which is America's um, certification board, but that's my gut. So I spoke about this on their stream last week, Mm. and I was like, the thing is, every new thing I hear about the Snyder cut, I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? Like, it's just absolute, just throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. Mm. Um, I genuinely don't think this film is anything like what the original vision was. No. And I think they will continue to pretend it was. And everyone will keep towing the company line of, Zack Snyder always had this amazing vision, but we failed him by not producing. But now look at it, isn't it? This is amazing. Yes. I am very interested to see whether this is an absolute car crash. Um, but I kind of hope it works out well because why not? Like I'd yeah. ra- I'd rather sit through five hours of good stuff and five hours of bad stuff. Seems I'm going to sit through it anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's like the the thing is, it's this weird thing where it's like this weird juggernaut we can see coming <laughs> from a mile away. We know it's coming. We know at least for the podcast, we're probably going to see this movie, and yet you know they're releasing it theatrically as well as on HBO Max yeah. now. And it kind of feels like, you know, we know it's here and we know we're going to have to watch it. And it's just this weird gravitational thing where more and more stuff is flying towards this juggernaut as it walks towards you. And you go, that's too much stuff. I am the woman tied to the railroad tracks while the Machiavellian Snyder cackles beside me. And I'm hoping that, you know... And Zack Snyder's Justice League is very much the train coming at the screen. Um, so that's, I mean, we'll see. I think it's got a proper release date. I think it's April. Uh, we'll, I, I will watch it when it comes out, guys. Promise. Uh, I so promise. the other big story. I'll sto- do a whole episode on it or something. <laughs> the other big story of the, um, of the sort of break that we've had after these special episodes. Uh, Disney had their investor day, uh, last week, 10th of December it was, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, which because of the lack of any other things this year meant that that was where they unveiled all their plans for the future whereas normally they might have put some stuff at comic-con they might have put some stuff at d23 what they've done this year is they've basically just gone we're going to hold on to everything and just announce everything at the end of the year because this gives us a clear idea and disney is one of the one of the things where even though their theme parks have been shut down for a long time now and even though they haven't been operating on they're still sustaining and there's a reason for that. Disney Plus has been a huge... Dis- Disney Plus has been a huge hit, but also merchandising sales haven't slowed down. Yeah. 
and it's that thing of so it's that thing of the founder where Ray Kroc is told you're not in the fast food industry you're in the real estate industry the they are in the toy industry more than they are in the film or TV industry and they know it and what they've done is they've basically <laughs> licensed themselves to print more money for the rest of time only you can bring in Ray Kroc so <laughs> so Mr. McDonald's himself into uh, a conversation about we'll go Disney. through a sort of overview with subheadings so these are the things that were announced um so Hulu Yep. which is their other streaming service uh, that they inherited through the take, uh, the takeover of Fox. Um, they're still planning on adding more sort of independent movies like Happier Season and like Palm Springs. Um, and we'll still be streaming so more Happier and more Season stuff. a Hulu film? Hulu in the States, and then obviously it was released in whatever premium yeah, yeah. VOD Format. I didn't realize that. Sorry. Yeah, they picked it up from TriStar. I think had actually funded it, and then they picked it up for distribution in the states. Um, so, in terms of upcoming Hulu projects, Disney's teased a few, few films and shows that we've heard about before, apparently, but we'll see. Uh, upcoming comedy: Only Murders in the Building with Selena Gomez, Martin Short, and Steve Martin. They got them back together. The 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 three amigos mm-hmm. of. <laughs> Yeah, we all remember that Chevy Chase was played by Selena Gomez. Yeah. Was it was it Chevy Chase in Three Amigos? Yeah, yeah. yeah it was, wasn't it? Um, we, uh, Kate McKinnon starring Elizabeth Holmes drama The Dropout. The Michael Keaton... So that's an interesting one because it's about somebody who basically defrauded everyone by basically falsifying information. And she became like this great... Um, like one of the greatest businesswomen of like our time, only to then be found out that they just lied about everything. Yes, um, and it could be really interesting uh, to focus. Yeah, so uh, Holmes' rise to celebrity is the next Steve Jobs after dropping out of Stanford to focus on her blood testing company Theranos. Yes, and how she and how she and her technology were later revealed to be frauds. Um, so it was recently the sub uh, Holmes was recently the subject of Alex Gibney's documentary, The Inventor, Out for Blood in Silicon Valley. Um, but yeah, it could be really interesting. Um, and I like McKinnon. The weird thing about McKinnon is I really like her, but she keeps making stinkers. Mm. Jennifer Lawrence has signed on to star in Adam McKay's movie about Elizabeth Holmes based on Bad Blood, which means we're going we may get dueling Holmes projects. <gasps> Although Adam McKay hasn't spoken about his version recently, so it may well not happen. Um, right, what else have we got? Uh, Michael Keaton, Peter Sarsgaard, and Rosario Dawson, opioid crisis drama, Dope Sick. Okay. Um, and then what else have we got? Disney promised that The Handmaid's Tale will return for its fourth season in 2021 and that it's already been renewed for a fifth. Yes, I saw that. And uh, in a big coup, Hulu has now got The Kardashians. I guess so, that makes a lot of money. Keeping up with the Kardashians called time on its run this year, uh, but that was in preparation for them moving over from E! to Hulu, where they've now got a global content deal, multi-year deal, that's going to start in 2021. I have never seen the Kardashians, but I know that people like it. Well, the, the thing is, this clearly in, in sort of insinuates that they are planning on just doing things for all of the Kardashian families. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, they can all just go to them and say, I want to do this. And then Hulu will go, yeah, probably. That'll yeah, be sure, fine. Have People will watch it. <laughs> um, FX. So let's see. What have FX got? Uh, new seasons of many of its shows are coming back, including Atlanta. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. 
Um, just keeps trucking. Yeah. Um, already know. Uh, so the old man, which stars Jeff Bridges, is coming. Um, Ryan Murphy's anthology series, American Horror Stories. Uh, BJ Novak's anthology series Platform, Taika Waititi's comedy about Native American teenagers in Oklahoma called Reservation Dogs um, lots of stuff going on on mm-hmm. um, FX and the big news is that Noah Hawley who developed Fargo and Legion for FX is doing an alien TV series with the support of Ridley Scott that is set in not too far in the future here on Earth do you like the idea of that? As somebody who likes the Alien I don't, franchise, I don't think I don't think we necessarily need to go back to that. Well, uh, certainly after Alien Covenant, I'm very reluctant to go back to the Alien well. I don't know what you could make that timeline wise. Though this sounds like it's going to be more in line with that kind of how did the aliens come about, and that's the kind of stuff that I'm not interested in. I like the stuff of Alien, where it's like, oh, does this fucking creature that is unstoppable, and how do we how mm. do we survive it? Yeah, so Hawley's previously discussed his pitch for the idea as focusing on the human drama of the Alien series. But the, the issue for me is, okay, so timeline-wise, I think the first film in the Alien timeline is technically Alien versus Predator. <laughs> Because that features, like, the founder of the Wayland Company, Peter Wayland. God, I think... Or is it... Yeah, I think it is. Anyway, it doesn't fucking matter. It's a bad film. (laughs) Anyway, basically, that's the earliest version, which is set on Earth in the not-too-distant future from whenever it was made, 2004 or whatever it was. But that's obviously a film that had a lot to do already and then decided when, well, we'll do it on Earth as well. I it was like, a good tagline, though. Whoever wins, we lose. I That's like good. Noah Hawley, though, so yeah. maybe he can maybe he can pull something out that is interesting. And you know, it's a franchise that has something at the heart of it that is really iconic and really great. I really want them to do something good. With I it. I will watch it if nothing else out of sort of morbid curiosity. Yeah. If it just fails completely, I'll probably still watch it. Um, but yeah, Noah Hawley, you know, I really like Fargo, what he's done with that. I haven't watched all of the series, but the couple that I had watched, I really enjoyed. <laughs> so we'll see. Um, okay. Lucasfilm. This, so one of the big ones. Star Wars, one right? of the big ones. So Lucasfilm, stemming from The Mandalorian, which has just wrapped up its second series mm-hmm. this week, and you will be doing a re- or last week? Uh, this week. And you'll be doing a review next, next week. Uh, so, certainly, well, technically now, three series stemming from that. Yeah. So, the two that were announced at the Disney Investor Day were um, Rangers of the New Republic and Ahsoka. Yeah, I'm not sure what Rangers of the New Republic is. So, Rangers of the New Republic, uh, is that something to do with Timothy Oliphant's character in the first episode? Maybe. Who knows? Well, I saw someone saying something like, Let's start the petition. Uh, this is the thing: is that because you're not necessarily a Star Wars fan, but you just enjoy watching the Mandalorian. Yeah, Timothy Oliphant could be the Emperor for all you know, <laughs> and you wouldn't clock it. I only found out it was Boba Fett's armor like three episodes later. Um. So yeah, those are going to be two Disney Plus series that come out of. Ahsoka um, could be really great because I really like that episode. Which is the Rosario Dawson character yeah, I think who's she's great. come through Clone Wars and mm-hmm. Rebels. 
And the fact that like they're doing more of that character, I'm really excited for because I was like, oh, I don't know how much she fits into this Mandalorian storyline now. Yeah. Um, but she doesn't need to because, because it's actually it's all about this. And that could be really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, like that episode made me want to go back and watch the animated series. Do you want to talk about the third spin off or do you want to talk about that next week? Um, In case people haven't listened. Yeah, we'll yeah. talk about it next week. Okay. Uh, so, sooner than those two, though, is the Rogue One spin off series Andor starring Diego Luna. Ooh, that's uh, ri- well, <laughs> exactly. Uh, written by Tony Gilroy. Um, so Kathleen Kennedy described this as a sort of spy thriller um, that's in production in London. Um, Do you feel that there would have been more of an appetite for a spin-off about Donnie Yen's character? Yeah, Rogue One, him and the him and yeah, his mates. He, yeah, those two guys. Yeah, like they were, or maybe a Saw Gerrera solo movie. Were they lovers, Donnie Yen and that other guy? For some reason in my head, I feel they were they were dating. No, because wasn't the thing that there was the first openly gay couple in Star Wars were the two nameless people who kissed in the background of a shot. Well then, I ship Donnie Yen and the other guy. What's shipping? When you you want those two people to get together. Oh, okay. So you're shipping shipping two characters is like being like, oh, Mm. I'm actively wanting these two characters to get together. Same way people ship you and me. Mm. Well, in a very different way to the way that uh, CD Projekt Red shipped uh, copies of Cyberpunk that weren't ready for playing. Great well, stuff. You got there again, guys. Um, dig. So there was an update on the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, which is starring Ewan McGregor. Hayden Christensen is returning as Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is set 10 years after Revenge of the Sith, and it's premiering on Disney Plus next year. I would like to see just Darth Vader just absolutely like tearing house. Mm. Um, that would be cool. Like, just see why Darth Vader is terrifying. Yeah, like at the end of Rogue One. Yeah, which is, mm. I think, some of the best Darth Vader shit we saw. Um, yeah, so that's happening as well. I watched Rogue One again. Uh, so many things I want to rewatch, but I know I won't. Lucasfilm also gave a preview of its animated series, The Bad Batch. Mm-hmm. Did you watch that? Yeah, no idea what's going on. This is from Clone Wars as well, I think. Yeah, maybe. I had mm-hmm. no idea what it was. Uh, and I was also- watching it just like, yeah, this is a thing. It's also working with anime creators on a series of Star Wars shorts called Visions. Could be cool. Uh, the also- I think, yeah. am I right in saying that's all kind of like Asian-inspired stories? Yeah, so it's, it's all supposed to be anime-styled. Yeah. And it's all, support- it's, it's all going to be, really be short cool. stuff. Because, so for example, Love, Death and Robots. Yes. Like, seeing stories that were all kind of in a similar theme... Um, but were all different styles mm-hmm. was really cool. Yeah. And if they turn around and go, okay, we do something similar where the style is, the theme is Star Wars and the style is whatever you choose to do, yeah. that could be really awesome. Mm. Um, so there's also going to be a Disney Plus droid series called A Droid Story. Give me my gonk story. Um, and uh, there's a Lando spin-off series. Of course, sure. Why not? Um, although they didn't actually confirm that Donald Glover's no, it's probably not. He's probably back. gone nah. Um, and he's got enough stuff on. Let's see. Russian doll creator Leslie Headland is directing a series or has created a series called The Acolyte, which is a mystery thriller about the emerging dark side set in the High Republic Ooh. era. Ooh, I don't know what any of those words it mean. Says, AKA, we're getting a Coruscant show. Ooh, I don't know but what that means. But that's where Dexter Jester's diner is. 
So you will get your dream show as well as me. Well, I don't think they're going to be brave enough to make the Dexter Jetster series. Uh, feature film side, Disney confirmed the Taika Waititi's making its own take on Star Wars, which we knew. Um, Patty Jenkins is directing Rogue Squadron. Um, so recalls the name of the um, video game series. I don't know if it's going to be mm-hmm. exactly that or not, um, but it is essentially about pilots. Which could be fun because we get to hear the screaming TIE Fighters, the best sound in Star Wars. Yeah, true. Um, Lucasfilm don't just do Star Wars, though. They they do, though. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy mentioned that three other projects were in the works. Warwick Davis coming back for the Willow Disney Plus series. Um, Tomi Adoyemi's novel Children of Blood and Bone is being developed by Lucasfilm and 20th Century Studios. And the fifth Indiana Jones movie directed by James Mangold, will come out in July 2022, and it is confirmed that it will be the last time that Harrison Ford comes back for this. And you have a clause... And not before says, time, either. Yeah, you have a clause that says, you have to kill the character, because he wants all his characters dead, so mm-hmm. they can no longer drag him back into this. Um, National Geographic. Yeah. Talking about them. We cover everything on this show. Um, a bunch of new stuff coming to Disney Plus in a new installment of Genius about Martin Luther King Jr. A documentary called Secrets of the Whales. Um, a Real Bugs Life, which is a nature documentary, as you may have guessed. America the Beautiful, which is Chris Hemsworth. No, oh, no, sorry. Limitless is Chris Hemsworth challenging himself to do crazy things with his body. Oh, he's so crazy. Uh, Darren Aronofsky series with Will Smith about the journey to unlock the secrets of this planet's most extraordinary unexplained phenomena. Oh my god. Um, Area 51. So, which of those is more exciting than any Star Wars thing? Um, <laughs> Darren Aronofsky directing Chris Will Hemsworth Smith. being so crazy. Um, Disney Plus TV series. Mighty Ducks. We knew Quack. about the Quack. series. Quack. Uh, it's still continuing. Turner and Hooch series starring Josh Peck. Um, girls high school basketball series with John Stamos called The Big Shot. Not starring The Big Show. Mm. Uh, and The Mysterious Benedict Society with Tony Hale and Kristen Schaal. Um Oh, and it's big name bets, the previously announced Beauty and the Beast Gaston-focused prequel with Luke Evans and Josh Gad. <laughs> Honestly, I'm reading about this for the first fucking time right That's now. coming out. And a previously announced TV adaptation of Percy Jackson and the Olympian series. Yeah, I heard about that. Interesting. So that's coming out still. Yeah, apparently so. Uh, Disney Films. So... There is a Hocus Pocus prequel on the way. Zac Efron, Three Men and a Baby remake. Yes. Um, And it is also doing, let's see, what else have we got? A Cheaper by the Dozen remake. Yeah, it's some, I can't remember who's. Uh, From the Blackish creator, Kenya Barris. Um, Oh, it will star Gabrielle Union. That's who it was, yeah. Uh, Disney is also making an animated Diary of a Wimpy Kid movie. Uh, it's defrosting the Ice Age franchise. Well done. Uh, <laughs> for a movie called The Ice Age Adventures of Buck Wild. And is making an animated Night at the Museum movie. Is great, that good? Great stuff. And Chippendale Rescue Rangers are back and they are being voiced by John Mulaney and Andy Samberg. That could be fun. Um... 
Robert Zemeckis' Pinocchio with Tom Hanks is coming to the service now. Um, David Lowry's Peter Pan and Wendy is coming. Uh, and Disenchanted, as we discussed earlier. And finally, Whoopi Goldberg is going back with Sister Act 3. Back, back to the habit. We all like that, right? Um, okay, Did and you then... like Sister Act? No, not really. I think the first one's fine, but I don't. I don't really remember anything of it. I watched it a lot as a kid because mm. my mum loved it. Well, you're just a fan of nuns. Yeah, and nunchucks. But you never saw the nun, <laughs> weirdly. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, you, what of those are you excited for, other than Rescue Rangers? Um, Three Men and a Baby, starring Zac Efron. Yeah, he plays the baby. I like Efron. Uh, I reckon Josh Gad, uh, Josh Peck, sorry, as uh, Turner, as the dog in Turner and Hooch. Um, so Disney Animation, Raya and the Last Dragon, which we discussed earlier, will be out on the fifth of March, twenty twenty one, in theaters and for an added price on Disney Plus in premier access. Um, meanwhile, the animation department is churning out Disney Plus animated series based on its films. Uh, so shows called Baymax, as uh, from Big yeah. Hero 6, uh, Zootopia Plus, mm-hmm. and Tiana, uh, Princess and the Princess Frog and series. Okay. Yeah, And also a Moana series. Yes, Moana. Uh, so that'll be that. I am down for more Moana. And then... In addition to that, is collaborating with the African entertainment company Kugali to create a Disney Plus science fiction series called Iwanju, which is set in a futuristic version of Lagos and will premiere in 2022. That could be mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. Um, what else have we got? Ah, yes. Okay. So, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda's new Disney animated project, Encanto, about a magical family in Colombia that lives in a magical home. Uh, Zootopia's Byron Howard and Jared Bush are co-writing and co-directing it with Carice Castro-Smith. Could be fun. Yeah. Who knows? Pixar. Guys, you thought there wasn't much to go through in Disney. Disney got everything. Pixar, yeah. This is this is less interesting than the Warner thing, but it is longer. <laughs> um, Pixar... So they are announced. Uh, they've announced its own Disney Plus franchise spin-offs. Dog Days, which is about the dog from Up trying to make his way in suburbia. Of course, of course. Uh, a car series about Lightning McQueen and Mater driving around the country. Uh, <laughs> it's like diners, drive-ins, and dives, but they are cars. Uh, win or lose that tells the story of a middle-aged softball. Uh, sorry, not middle-aged. A middle school softball <laughs> team in the lead up to a big championship game. I wish that was middle-aged. Yeah, I wish. Like, just like Ron Perlman. That's right. He's the most middle-aged man I could think of. Um, Yes. uh, Turning Red, which is about... Uh, The big red panda. It's about a woman. Yes, the red panda series. It's about a woman who, when she gets embarrassed, turns into a giant red panda. I saw that the other day, and I thought, that can't be true, but I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so and Disney, uh, so Pixar's next feature is the film Luca, which is coming out in June 2021, um, which is about two friends growing up in Italy. Uh, and yes, and then the director of Bao, uh, Domi Shi, has been given her own feature, which is Turning Red. Okay, so let's... Oh, and then finally, Buzz Lightyear. So the movie Lightyear, 
um, which is the definitive story of the original Buzz Lightyear, similar to Buzz Lightyear Star Command, as far as I can yes. see, which was the series about the thing which the toy was based on. Mm-hmm. Again, Toy Story is a license to print money. So, uh, and Chris Evans will be voicing that. I know you were unhappy because you don't like Tim Allen losing work. Well, look, okay, so Tim Allen is problematic sometimes in his political views. And Last Man Standing, I think, has just ended. Mm-hmm. So it kind of felt like natural that it... But then again, <laughs> you know, Last Man Standing is a red state hit, right? Yeah. And we're coming to the end of a red state cycle, you know. Well, we think, I mean... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Nothing much democratic thought, about the way nobody, Biden won the election, if you ask me. we would dive into the American politics of Tim Allen TV shows. But yeah, it's interesting that you sort of... Well, no, because if you think about it, in the early 90s when Home Improvement started, you know, it was at the end of the Reagan and them original Bush era. Original flavor Bush was better than the new okay. improved recipe, right? Uh, I don't know. They both committed war crimes, I think. So, <laughs> debatable. Sorry, Allegedly. Parody, okay. parody, parody. Please continue. We've We're still, safe we've from still the got lawyers. a whole chunk of news to get through. Um, I just think it's interesting. You could draw some comparisons about that. The reason, you know, you know during the Clinton era, it was less successful. That's what I'll say. <laughs> anyway, um, Marvel Studios, the one you've been waiting for. What, what, I get what time have you that. got a thing to... No, I, I checked... What time is the uh, the villa game? No, the reason I checked my phone is because I realised the room is getting darker. Yes, I do. And I'm like, I'm sure the sun doesn't go down until like three, four o'clock. Mm-hmm. So okay. I wondered how long we had talked for. So, so, currently one hour, 26 minutes. Okay, guys, this is a longie. Well, they don't know that yet. Now that well, I've said know, it's one hour, 26, that. now they know... Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, they could have got that long drive in. <laughs> Shouldn't have done that nonsense. Okay, so Disney saved its biggest stuff for last. Uh, so a new trailer for Disney Plus series WandaVision, which we'd already had a look at previously. Looks still. Um, it was a weird burp, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Falcon and Winter Soldier trailer. I really, like, I saw a lot of people giving this shit. Mm. Um and being like, oh, it just looks like Stan Marvel. But Stan and Marvel is good. Like, when did Stan Marvel become a bad thing? Like, Depends who you ask, bro. Like, I'm a Snyder boy. And this looks like it could be fun. Like, you've mm-hmm. got Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan, who are interesting characters to play off each other. Mm-hmm. It's got action that looks very cinematic. Yeah. Um, and actually, this could be a lot of fun. Like, Stan and Marvel is still a good mark to mm-hmm. be hitting. Like, even the worst Marvel films are still fairly decent. Sure. Uh, I don't know. Okay, tell me. I don't think I would ever watch Thor 2 ever (laughs) again. Um, So Kevin Feige has described this as a feature film split into six episodes. Yeah, and that's what it looks like. And I'm like, cool, yeah. Um, What else? Uh, Loki. uh, First footage of Loki. A lot of people went crazy for this one. But I think it's because it's Tom Hiddleston. And Mm -hmm. this is just Disney going, we cannot let that character die. Yeah. Although it does look like it could be fun. I'm very interested to see how kind of the mechanics of the series work and mm-hmm. what it actually does um, and ha- how that kind of affects things. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I I say that... It's, I sound disparaging saying it's Tom Hiddleston mm-hmm. again. I actually like Tom Hiddleston. Yeah, that's not a bad role. thing, necessarily. Yeah. Uh, well, that's out in May. Did you like it? From what you saw? Because obviously you're a man who it doesn't really right. care about it. I don't think I'll waste my time with any of it. Yeah. But I also won't waste my time with Winter of Soldier and them. Falcon. Uh, of any of them. 
if you had to choose one division maybe looks the most interesting and i'm talking like all of them like all the ones that are mentioned like series wise are Uh there any that you go i'm interested in that in terms of marvel yeah maybe wandavision it kind of looks interesting i i'm interested to see what they do with it um well, i mean we'll we're still working through it so yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll let you know as they come <laughs> up um yeah and then in the summer of 2021 we've got what if which mm. uh this kind of looks interesting enough again i don't know I if think- i'd have the patience for it because i don't really care about comics the premise of what ifs are very interesting of yeah what if this had happened instead of this mm-hmm. um and seeing those kind of visualized could be interesting it could be the only way you're going to get stuff like Marvel zombies because they're probably not going to do that on a big screen. Yeah, and because it's animated, you can get away with it because Doing you can anything, yeah. you can sort of sand down some of the gorier you know, edges. Stuff like oh, what if T'Challa had been picked up um, um, instead of Peter Quill and became the Guardian of the Galaxy? Oh, is that what that yeah. whole series? Is and about? what okay. if um, Haley? Uh, there's Captain Britain uh, played yeah. by Haley Atwell instead of Captain she, America. If she had got the Super Soldier yeah. Serum instead. Um, um, Rap production on its film Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which is I'm really looking forward to this. due out July the 9th next year. I'm really looking forward to this, and I really can't wait to see stuff from it. So, because it's a character I know really nothing about, mm, but I really like the idea of a martial arts film within the MCU. Correct me if I'm wrong, and I might be wrong, because, hell, I've been wrong before, and it's something I know nothing about. Ten Rings, is this related to the terrorist the organisation? Yeah. Okay. From yes. the Iron Man series. Um, which is great because it means we could potentially get the real Mandarin that we know exists out there and seeing kind of him. Yeah, Trevor Slattery. Slattery. That's who I want. But yeah, this film is one that I'm really excited for because I'm Mm. like, I really want to see what this looks like. Sure. Because they've got some really good people in there. And I've seen like behind the scenes stuff of like the choreographers and stuff are proper martial arts kind of choreographers. And yes. So they really got I think it. they're trying to take some inspiration from Asian cinema and... And also learning lessons from Iron Fist where they didn't do that. Mm. Um, where and they... potentially from Mulan. Mm. If Because the big criticism that was leveled against Mulan was it is a Westerner's idea of an Eastern story. And I, really and I wonder how much of that a... is going to feed into it and they've maybe in the last year tried to sort of... So yeah, I'm very interested in this one. Uh, the reason it's dark, by the way, is just because the cloud coverage is insane right now. <laughs> because I did look up and I was like, it can't be this dark yet. It's only 2.20 like, when we're recording. It is like almost pitch black in and this I, room. Whoa. Vin Diesel. <laughs> hey guys, it's me Okay, Vin good, good, good. Um, <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> that's right. I just laughed like baby Bowser. Uh, after that, uh, so, Dr. St- <laughs> Dr. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which is out on the 25th of March, 2022. Yep. Which is going to tie in with WandaVision and the next multiverse-stuffed uh, Spider-Man movie, which is due out Christmas next year. Yeah. Which we had some casting rumors slash news for this, well, the last three weeks. Alfred Molina has apparently joined the cast. Love Alfred Molina. uh, Which is great, obviously, because Spider-Man 2 is still the best Spider-Man movie. Um... Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm really excited for the future of the Spider-Man movies, but also for, you know, Sam Raimi getting to come back and do another superhero movie, because mm-hmm. he did a good job of those Spider-Mens. Yeah. And he, I think he fundamentally understands the movies he wants to make. And his Doctor Strange is something that he wanted to do anyway, mm-hmm. so it could be really cool. Um Yes, uh, let's have a look. What else have we got going on? Ah, now, this is the one you're most excited about, Ms. Marvel. 
Um, yeah, love the character. Um, so this is starring Aman Vellani as Kamala Khan, the Pakistani-American teen in New Jersey. Tell us a little bit about it. So she's, in the in the book, she's an inhuman who basically gets these powers um, and then styles herself off Captain Marvel and kind of gets the name from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and her powers basically means like she can, I think it's called embiggening, um, is the way they refer to it, which is her limbs and stuff can get bigger, like her hands can get giant, and she can stretch. Okay, so I saw this in the footage of the Marvel's Avengers video yeah. game, because she's the main character of that issue, or she's, there's a solo kind of, story yeah, that sort of focuses around there. And I looked at it, I was like, is this just like a... Because the way they did it in that seemed it like it was kind effect? of um, Mr. Fantastic style. Yeah, and it is that kind of thing. Um, and I think she refers to it as in-beginning. Okay. But she's a very fun character. She is a young mm-hmm. person who has... Is this of, a recent series? So, in relatively, yes. Like We're talking probably like 2015, I want to say. Okay, um, so yeah, very Within modern. the last 10 yeah. years, it came about. And she became like this fan favourite because she's not only... A fresh of breath air. Mm-hmm. Did, did I say that right? A fresh of yeah. breath air. I literally, I stopped in my tracks because I was like, that's wrong and I can't figure out why. My brain right. was willing to let it run, but I knew something was wrong. Um. It was Uncanny Valley. <laughs> it was almost right, but not quite. Uh, but she's like great. Like, she's funny. She's mm-hmm. this kind of character that can come into this universe and she sees like the Avengers and stuff like that for what they are, which is... She wants them to be these kind of beacons of hope. Yeah. And actually, how does that affect you when really all you want to do is be this great superhero and be helpful, but actually at the same time, you've got to deal with the fact that you are in a family and you can't always be that person. Yeah. Um, she is a great character. And I think what's also interesting is with having her, with having Kate Bishop in um, the Hawkeye series, and I know we're going to mention Ironheart series, which is mm-hmm. Riri Williams you're kind of building a Young Avengers thing mm. that you could then put on the screen because those characters have all been part of that. Um, so, yeah. But yeah, I think this is probably the series I'm looking forward to the most because I really like that character and I think she's great not only for representation but also just something new. Mm. Well, Emma Vellani is also now confirmed to be uh, co-starring in Captain America... Uh, Captain America. Captain, Captain Marvel, Marvel 2, which is directed by Naya DaCosta, who's going to be directing the Candyman mm-hmm. uh, update that they're doing, you know, the one that I've been looking forward to for the whole year. Uh, yes, Hawkeye. Um, oh, November 22nd is ca- uh, Captain Marvel 2's release date, apparently. That soon. Yeah. Yeah, they filmed, they've been filming um, during lockdown, I think, as well. Mm. Uh, Hawkeye, the Disney Plus series starring Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye, and now finally confirmed Hayley Steinfeld as uh, Kate so, Bishop, yeah, as you just mentioned. I never realised she had been confirmed until suddenly she just started appearing on set. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, she, I, I don't think she was confirmed until the investor day. Yeah. But the, the photos of her on set had already been re- uh, leaked at that point. Yeah, yeah. So it was kind of an open secret that if she isn't, Kate Bishop, then she's on set playing an archer, and you only got a couple. <laughs> and the great stuff about this is it seems like it's going to be drawing heavily from My Life as a Weapon, mm-hmm. um, the Hawkeye series. I think it's My Life as a Weapon anyway, which is fantastic. Mm. Like, You've talked about this before, I it's think. It's one of the best series I've read in recent times. Okay. Um, we'll see whether it lives up to that. Um. Yeah. Uh, Tatiana Maslany is confirmed. You tried to get out of it, but yeah. you're still there. Uh, she, she's confirmed as playing She-Hulk uh, in the She-Hulk series, which is also going to star Mark Ruffalo and Tim Roth. Abomination! Abomination! 
Um, Finally, we're referencing that Hulk film. Yes. Uh, Marvel also mentioned but kept things vague about its plans for the Moon Knight TV series, um, which Oscar Isaac has been rumoured to be attached to, but they did not confirm it. Um, Secret Invasion series. Um, Mm -hmm. Reunite Captain Marvel's Samuel L. Jackson and Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah, so this is probably going to be the scrolls have invaded and like implemented because obviously they're shapeshifters. They can kind of infiltrate humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, and how do you kind of go for that? It, so it might kind of fill in the gaps of between Captain Marvel yeah. one and two, maybe. It's a huge storyline, a huge event, and it'll be interesting to see kind of whether this builds to something more, yeah. whether this is just going to be sidelined. The scrolls are the good guys in the film series, at mm-hmm. least now, right? Because yeah. that is Ben Mendelsohn's character. Yes. He's the leader of them. Mm-hmm. And they were seen as refugees in that movie, was that right? Yeah, yeah. They were like displaced from their home. Um yeah, uh, Ironheart series. So, yeah, you mentioned this earlier. Riri Williams uh, is the character um, played by Dominique Thorne. Um, tell us about this. So, from memory, I've never actually read anything, but she is a girl who basically builds her own Iron Man suit mm-hmm. um, and is smart enough to kind of build her own Iron Man suit right. and then basically takes on the kind of iron man role because if i remember rightly when she came about at that point tony stark is dead in the comics okay and but his voice is maybe in the suit or something i don't know but basically it's it's a way of having an iron man without having iron man yeah but again it's kind of building this sort of young avengers Mm -hmm. as you said and i suppose that sort of like we we've we've wondered on this before sort of you know where do you take this cinematic universe now yeah and the way you take it is you develop these characters in their TV series on Disney Plus and then you give them their own independent films probably because mm-hmm. it's sort of the proving ground. I suppose they can work out what works and doesn't work, iron out maybe some of the kinks And beforehand. it allows you to do stuff that's probably more low level. Uh, yeah, and you can blood them in in a way that feels more organic Yeah, rather than just going, oh, here's a Ms. Marvel movie. Oh, okay, I didn't know anything about this. But now you've got the series and then you introduce it in the films in Captain Marvel. Absolutely. It kind of makes more sense. In the same way that they did with Spider-Man when they introduced him in Civil War. Yeah, all into weaves. Um, Don Cheadle's coming back to play War Machine in a series called Armor Wars, which Could is about Tony Stark's tech falling into the wrong hands. Well, the reason that's kind of a nice idea is the one fear we know from Tony Stark, he mentions it in Iron Man 3, is what happens if somebody gets his technology. Yeah. And he was always terrified of his suits basically being used as weapons around the world. Mm. It kind of also is done in Iron Man 2 with the whole Justin Hammer stuff of like... And in Avengers 2. Yeah, and it's, all, and it's always this thing of just being like, I want to protect the world, mm. but I'm also terrified that I'm not doing it well. Yeah. And this is a storyline where basically he takes out people who are off takes the technology from people who've stolen it mm. but because we're having out him using Don Cheadle as that role mm. is a smart idea um, James Gunn is directing Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special because why not uh, whilst on whilst basically they're filming that whilst filming Guardians of the Galaxy 3 um, and Disney Plus is making an I Am Groot series of shorts Hey guys, it's me, Vin Diesel. I'm doing Baby Groot again. So, new things about the big upcoming films. Marvel confirmed Christian Bale is joining the next Thor film, uh, Love and Thunder. Very interesting. uh, He's playing a villain called Gore the God Butcher, who kills Mm -hmm. gods. Yep. uh, Because gods killed his family or something. Or gods couldn't stop his family from dying so that he kills them to prove a point. 
gods are here to protect us, but they don't do their job. So what is the point in gods? Let's kill them all. Mm -hmm. I'll go and kill them. Um, And uh, Tessa Thompson confirmed that Valkyrie will be sitting on the throne of Asgard in the next movie. Um, Herschel Ali is starring in the Blade film and revealed that Peyton Reed will come back for the... Why did he confirm? Oh, it was also (laughs) confirmed. Sorry, it's two separate thoughts, but there's no punctuation here. Uh, a reveal that Peyton Reed will come back for the next Ant-Man film, dubbed Ant-Man and the Wasp Mania. Nice. Which will bring Catherine Newton as Cassie Lang. I'm presuming that's his daughter? Yes, so they've changed the actress that's going to be playing his daughter. For the third time? Uh, yeah, because technically they brought her back in... Um, yes. But obviously the snap means she's five years older now, so she can't be played by the same actress who... Well, no, because they they put an older version into Infinity War, didn't they? Well, that's what I mean. Wasn't that a separate actress, the one who played her in the first film? Yeah, because she's a child in that. Yes. Um, Yeah, but this is now a different person playing that same role. But I don't know when Quantumania is actually set. Um, Presumably immediately afterwards. After Infinity War, which means they've just changed the actress. Yeah, because Catherine Newton's a bigger star yeah. than whoever played her in the second Some one. person. <laughs> wow, brutal. Uh, and Jonathan Majors is playing Kang the Conqueror. Mm-hmm. Um, Jonathan Majors is good. Yes. I've just, uh, he just cropped up in something I watched, I think. Uh, anyway, final bit of news is... Maybe final bit of news? I don't know. Well, we know about Black Panther obviously not recasting yeah. and just sort of trying to move on without Chadwick Boseman's presence in the film, but honouring it in some way by doing something, but they've confirmed they're not going to be digitally recreating him. They're not going to have any sort of performance capture stuff that's going to have been done. So that is a good thing, I think. Yes. I think everyone's on the same uh, side with that. Um, yes, and John Watts is directing a new Fantastic Four movie. Um, so uh, I believe that the rights have reverted to Marvel exclusively mm-hmm. from Fox, yeah. even though obviously Fox owned them in full anyway. Oh, well, that'll be why. They've bought Fox. They've got Fox, yeah. Sorry. I was there like, (laughs) it's the same as the Spider-Man situation. And I went, no, No. Sony have Spider-Man. So yes, this is because they now have the rights exclusively because they bought Fox. So they're able to do the uh, Fantastic Four movie. So John Watts, who's the director of the Spider-Man movies, um, is now going to be directing this. And this actually... This actually calls back to remember when we started reporting on the Spider-Man issues last year. Mm-hmm. There was a to and fro over the future of John Watts, and it was because Marvel were trying to poach him away from Sony and trying to get him. If they continued doing Spider-Man three on their own, yeah, they want to keep John Watts, get John Watts instead of Sony, and make him sign an exclusivity is- contract with them rather than with. Yeah. Sony. This is a really smart move. I think John Watts is very good at mm. what he does. And his style that he's shown in the Spider-Man movies would suit a Fantastic Four movie really well. Yeah. Um, I think it's almost inevitable that I think it's probably going to be John Krasinski in that film. Like mm. it, The universe seems to be aligning for him. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's like him and Emily Blunt because mm. that's kind of what's been said. That's the fan cast. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised, especially John Kaczynski, because I think he would do the role pretty well mm. as well. And him being in a John Watts movie, mm. we know he's got that kind of balance between he can do the dramatic and he can do the the fun. I say bring back Kevin Bacon. Oh, bring back Kevin Bacon. Because, well, so he directed Kevin Bacon in Cop Car, which mm-hmm. I've never stopped going on. It's, still, it's really good. Um, 
But yeah, I'd be interested to see Kevin Bacon in some kind of role in a Fantastic Four movie. He can do comedy, he can do serious, he's good. Um, is that and your... he can provide free mobile phones for everyone. Uh, yeah, that's everything. Digitized that's... Rita Ora as the bad guy. <laughs> she she's the bad guy of my dreams at the moment because that's fucking terrifying. Uh, yeah, that is everything basically that came out of it. Um, it's we a lot were, of news. Yeah, we we knew this was going to be longer, and this is why we split this from the reviews. Um, and you know, we hope that some interesting stuff was in there, and there's some at least inside that you liked. Yeah. Um, we try our best. Well, like I say. It's a skip episode. <laughs> if you're not interested in the fallout of the Warner Brothers move, and if you're not really interested in the Disney Investor Day thing, the, these will be the two things I list in the title. Yeah. So if you see that, oh, well, it's too late, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> if, if you've got see- to this point, you've probably heard the episode and gone, oh no, um, you said that at the top. But yeah, it's just a lot of stuff that, to break down. We're, obviously, we knew that by doing a couple of special episodes in a row, it meant that we were going to have to yeah. backlog stuff. We just didn't anticipate there was going to be this much stuff. We got a lot of shit to review next time, though, guys. Uh, yeah, so we'll we'll be back uh, later on. Yeah, we'll there'll be, be an episode next week. Yeah. Um, it'll be around Christmas Day, or it'll be just after that. Like, it'll be one of those two. Yeah. We'll decide it at some point. Um, but yeah, it'll be packed full of reviews, so we'll do all that. that that'll be the... <laughs> This is the multi-grain... This is the whole brand, you know? And those are the raisins. <laughs> but guys, until next time, find us everywhere at yes. Dinosaur Man 15, on Facebook, Dinosaur Man Podcast, and on YouTube for the same name. Please subscribe, share it with your friends. Mm-hmm. Um, Johnny Neves did the theme song. Yes, he did. This week, it was long and dry. Uh, this wasn't dry, was it? I don't know. We okay, okay. Can this I just week, ask you one thing? It didn't run on. <laughs> Can I ask you one thing? Yes. Out of all of the stuff that came out of the Disney investor thing, what is the one thing that you'll want to see? If you could only see one thing, what is it? Ms. Marvel. Maybe, maybe Shang Chi. Yeah, because I know nothing about it, okay. and I, and you know, I'm a Marvel boy. Um, John Watts is Fantastic Four for me. I, I, I think yeah. he's just, you know. I like or, him a lot. I'm very interested to see what the fuck this Spider-Man three is. Yeah, the amount of the amount of names that are being thrown at Spider-Man three is a case now of just like how how much can this sustain? Um, but we'll yeah, see. There's a lot. Um, so as always, yeah, find us there all those places. Andy, you've been the host. Alex, you've also been the host. I've been the news pig, as you know. And guys, until next time. Um, we apologize. <laughs> I'm going to continue playing Cyberpunk 20, 2076. I'm going to start developing Cyberpunk 2078. Whoa. Another eight years of development. It's only bugs. <laughs> uh, what, you have to pay to see photos of ladybirds? <laughs> Is that good? No. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>